0: Welcome back to the Fundraising Radicals podcast. I'm your host, Craig Pollard. Today's conversation is with the ever-modest Cosmas Makamet, the manager of Forcert, a sustainable forestry non-profit operating in Papua New Guinea. Forcert is owned by the indigenous communities of PNG, and they have built trusted partnerships that are critical to protecting land rights in the face of logging and palm oil companies. Their work within these communities is critical to sustaining the forests and biodiversity of Papua New Guinea, which is in turn critical for the future of the whole planet. I've been working with Cosmos and Fossert for the past few years to help them build a sustainable fundraising model that includes global institutions, international partnerships, local trusts and companies, and a social enterprise arm, so that their work can continue. I know you'll enjoy meeting COSMAS today and we will be inspired hearing about the work of Forsert. So, Cosmos, welcome to the Fundraising Radicals podcast.
1: Thank you. Um, I'm excited to be part of this, and uh, and looking forward to the interview and the discussions today.
0: So, it's it's wonderful to see. You. I guess it would probably help to to introduce a bit of context. We've been working together. We were working together for nearly two years. A year and a half, two years to, uh, to help you build your fundraising capacity in Papua New Guinea. So it'd be great to hear about you, about Forset, about your work um, and some of your sort of fundraising opportunities and challenges.
1: Thank you. So first I will um, introduce myself that um, I am Cosmas Makamet and I'm from uh, Papua New Guinea. And I'm the manager of Forset, and I'm based in Kimbe on the island of New Britain and I've been with the organization with Fawcett for more than 10 years. And tell
0: me about Fawcett.
1: What, what, you know,
0: Fawcett is a sustainable forestry organization, that's the heart of your work. Tell me about your work and, and what you do across Papua New Guinea.
1: Okay, uh, Fawcett, my organization, Fawcett stands for Forest for Certain, Forest for Life, which means that with our forest we have a life, we have a future, and uh, we depend on on the forest, and uh, and we have to uh, give it our best to keep it in in a state where we can use it uh, for ourselves and for future generations. So Fosat is a non-government organisation that has been working with communities, uh, more than twenty thousand people, and now we have uh, gone up to about thirty communities in five different provinces of Papua New Guinea, and they work on their own land and in their um, uh, communities. And in Papua New Guinea, the, the land-owning system, the tenureship system is that the traditional landowners uh, are the owners of the land and not the state. So that makes it quite different from other parts of the world where uh, they make decisions on how they want to use their land and whether they want to sign up the land for with a logging company or with a uh, big uh, palm oil company or whatever. So And so our work is facilitating uh, processes in which uh, they will make that decision for themselves and for the future. So with the current happenings in the country where the big large-scale logging, uh, logging and other uh, development companies, they, they would like to take the land and if take this uh, customary land and if they are not advised and are able to make that decision, they will sign away the land and then they will not be able to um, sustain their uh, livelihood. So. Uh, in many cases, they lose their land to these um, development companies.
0: And these are these are remote indigenous communities that you're working with a lot of the time. Who it takes days to travel to them, and it takes years to build that trust because they they have had many sort of promises, or you know their, their contact is limited as well. So a, a big part of your work is is building trust with these communities to to guide them and help them to to manage the resources that they are responsible for, that they have ownership for in terms of the land and the forests?
1: So these communities are very remote and takes like three different modes of uh, travel, maybe by air and then you get on a boat and then by car or by car and then by boat. Then you have to walk on foot. So even if they are very close, sometimes you have to take four to five hours up the mountain and into the village. So these communities are very remote in trying to reach them and our offices take a lot of time to get to them. And so that are some of the challenges um, that is in our work um, where they um, have to uh, make this travel to these communities. And the facilities there, uh, government facilities are not always existent. So there are not many services are available there maybe health services, maybe schools, yes, but they are not resourced. So, these communities are very remote and the government services don't care to them. And what FOSET does is like doing part of what the government is supposed to do, FOSET does. So, in that sense, many of the communities come to Fawcett, not only for protecting the environment, but for the services as well, for other services like health and uh, education and all that. So uh, it is like Fawcett, when we get the uh, request from these communities, they are like um, getting a government service or, or something that uh, they are looking forward to. So that is part of, the, part of our work.
0: It's incredibly important, but I think that the amount of time that it takes as well is, is, is huge. And you're now working with uh, 30 communities. Across five provinces, which is which is extraordinary, because there is a an internet This is internationally relevant work, right? the, the biodiversity of, of of Papua New Guinea, the importance of the, the sort of custodianship and supporting the custodians of these natural resources, is so important internationally as well. And, and and PNG, I think, probably has quite a lot of international attention in in, in that sense. So, do you, do you find that donors are particularly interested in Papua New Guinea to, to help support your work? Uh, are there are there opportunities there, and what are some of the challenges you you come across in terms of funding?
1: Sorry, first I have to go back to a question you asked earlier. and I didn't answer that. It's to do with trust, and uh, when we spend this time with with the community, each one of them, it takes a lot of time to get the trust, and uh, so we build a trust both ways. That is for them with us and us with them. So, in that way, they trust us to be able to give them the correct advice and uh, way forward on how to uh, protect and to manage their land and their uh, livelihood and all that. And so, um, it does. when we get an interest from the community, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we go in there and go out uh, in one or two years. It is like a lifetime bond between the community and Fawcett. So it is a, a long-term relationship. And so I'll go back to your question now. Yes, Papua New Guinea is a large country with a lot of biodiversity. And uh, with plants, animals, insects. And, and so um, at this time, the, the world or uh, people out there are interested in, in, in what is in, in PNG uh, because of the, the nat- uh, natural forests. We have the forests that are, virgin forests that are still standing, and there's a lot of threat from uh, large scale logging and palm oil and all that developments coming into the country. And at the same time, there's uh, you know climate change, and how would we would uh, as part of a country contribute to the climate change mechanisms on how to um, decrease all the carbon and all that, and having a PNG as a sink. And so there is a lot of interest in there. And uh, while we are talking about that, uh, there are like a big donor, uh, US aid, aid, other uh, donors, uh, European Union recently. Uh, coming into the country to uh, look at opportunities and support uh, the country in trying to protect its nature and uh, its uh, natural resources and be able to combat the, go into um, climate change uh, measures that would uh, contribute uh, our but to the um, uh, worldwide project on climate change. So there is a big interest and uh, recently we've had uh, you know seen the French president come across and, and the French government signed an agreement with, PNG and which is as part of this and the. US uh, coming in and also other uh, countries coming in because of this interest so uh, yes PNG has a lot to offer in this in the Pacific and also in, in the world
0: and that sounds like a lot of sort of opportunities in terms of the visibility the global visibility of Papua New Guinea but I guess that comes that presents challenges as well right because wherever there are big flows of cash, coming, there are, particularly when it comes to carbon credits, for example, there are a lot of less reputable uh, organizations and people vying for that funding.
1: Yes, with that comes the challenges of, you know, who's going to get this cake, part of the cake, uh, and uh, like with the European Union recently. And, and so um, the organizations, big organizations, international organizations that are present in the uh, country, they will go for the funding as well, and with you know smaller ones like Fawcett and other assist organisations, we will go for the funding as well. But in a sense, the challenge is how we present ourselves to these uh, do- potential donors, and and that is imp- really important. And we've uh, learned uh, the, some of the skills and the tools from uh, fundraising uh, radicals, and that is very important for us to put forward our uh, to sell ourselves the best way in order for for us to secure that funding because everyone. They are doing the same sort of thing, but ours has to sell. So uh, uh, we have to be on top of uh, you know what everyone else is doing. We have to show uh, or provide them the best and be able to convince them that we we ours is worth funding than the the others, so they could like put us on top of their list and rather than at the bottom. So that is sort of a challenge with uh, uh, right now.
0: But you're very modest because you you talk about sort of the the selling side of it, but there's also what I've been very impressed with Fawcett is is how you position yourselves because often these decisions, particularly the big funding decisions, they have, you know, there's a lot of consultation, there are uh, advisory groups and boards, et cetera, that that help to shape these decisions. And you and Fawcett have done, you know, have, very sort of savvy about this and and you are feeding into these mechanisms uh, to, to to inform and, and, and shape how donors engage with this issue within png is that correct
1: that is correct during our work as part of our work uh, we would like to like communicate better with with the government with other stakeholders and with potential donors or whoever is present or their representatives in the country. So we have one of the programs called the national level program. And that program is very important to our work. And it sort of provides an advocacy role with the government and uh, and trying to advise them on certain things that we are very good at, like in the land use planning, in the uh, high conservation value, in what we do at the community level. Uh, We advise uh, through that program Advise the government at that level, at the provincial level, or at the national level about, you know, how things would work, and how the communities are going to take it. Because most, at, at, in most times, uh, most of the projects are top down, which means that they make the decisions and all this at the top, at the national government level, and they are not properly informed to be able to make those decisions, whether it be policy or activity or, or, or whatever. So our work. In this program, uh, the national level program is to uh, give them that advice, and and so we link them down to uh, and and so that is playing out very well. So uh, that is where where we get to mix mix around with the government, with the policy makers, and with the potential donors, maybe uh, you know this uh, and uh, USAID or whoever, um, and so uh, we that is where they will you know, see that uh, we are, in, are an important part of this uh, sort of work. So, uh, and that plays uh, out very well. That is playing out really well now.
0: And that investment of time uh, and sort of in, with the relationship building, with the advocacy work, is really starting to, to show fruit. So tell, tell me about who owns Fawcett. And, you know, because your relationship with the communities is actually very much two-way.
1: So Fawcett is like a, um, uh, we have a, a, a bot. But before the board, we have a, a sh- we have shareholders. These shareholders are community groups, and they sit on this. Uh, we have right now about uh, eight or nine shareholders. These are communities, and they have the representative uh, representatives in that uh, shareholders. Then comes the board, and then the the management team, and then below the all the others. So uh, they have a say. The the community groups. So all these community groups uh, at some point. Uh, they will become members of, of the shareholders. So they become a shareholder, which means that uh, they get to contribute to the running of the organization uh, and in their communities as well. So they, they are some uh, many a times, they, uh, they contribute to how the faucet plans out its work. So we have a, like a, uh, a five-year strategic plan and they contributed to it in 2019-2020 and so their contributions are in that plans. and then when they come to these uh, meetings they always ask you know uh, if you're doing here in this community uh, what about us and what if this committee is facing these issues over here and you're, you're helping with them over here uh, why don't you do the same over here And if uh, they are facing uh, threats with the logging company over here uh, how can we be able to apply a similar sort of tactics here to keep the foresters out and so, uh, it is sort of like a family, and uh, uh, when we get to get... Uh, we have a shareholders meeting every year, and they get to share their stories as well. So, um, uh, each of the representatives from each of the communities get to share their stories. So, it is a, a, a really good way of um, having a um, organization that's not only managed on the top, but we have members from the committee as well that come in to uh, share the experience.
0: It's it's such a an authentic sort of fantastic community model. In some ways, this must be a threat to organisations and government and other vested interests. How do you manage that tension? Because if you know, if logging companies want to come in and and a community saying you know that you're guiding and supporting uh, says no, and they're equipped, to, you know, they understand their legal rights and their ability and their, and, and how to manage that. And their own resources does some of that come back on you as well that some of that tension that challenge impact on your work as well your wider work
1: yes uh recently uh Fawcett was mentioned in the parliament and uh, the member for pomio uh, actually named faucet in parliament and was stating our work on you know the Carbon credits work, and how we're supporting the community there, and so um, he was uh, naming uh, us as a uh, instigator of issues and all that. But they actually took the logging company to court for infringing on the land.
0: So the community took the community successfully took the company to court. Yes, and Forser was named in Parliament as causing trouble. And, <laughs> we're, we're, oh, wow.
1: And so actually the community, they got a uh, court order in Changshan to keep the logging company out. And that's what they did. And the, the logging company actually was invited by the member to go in there and and lock so he was like part of it so actually that happened and then that locking company got kicked out and they are still out they have not uh, gone in because the court injunction is still valid so and um, that was one of the reasons uh, he he didn't like it so but the case is on foot which means that uh, the lawyer is taking it and he wants to go further and then win it so uh, the community is uh, they've paid for the court fees themselves they have paid up to um 200,000 kina, 250,000
0: kina already. So that's sort of $50,000, sort of $50,000, 50, $60,000. That's
1: right, yes.
0: So the community have paid their own court and legal fees to fight this to prevent the loggers coming in. Yes. But the, the loggers are probably offering a huge amount of money for this land. So what's the incentive? What? Why refuse the loggers when they're offering all of this cash and pay money out to preserve the land? What's the incentive
1: there? So the logging company was coming through their land which they have set aside as a, a conservation area. And this is the area upon which they are going to set aside for their carbon credits work. And this is like 21,000 hectares that they are protecting. So the logging company was going to go through that, their forest area and lock part of that forest out. And so they were protecting that area from the loggers so they should not destroy the forest because they're going to use that for their carbon credits work
0: Twenty-one thousand hectares Twenty-one
1: thousand hectares that's that's the land area they were protecting
0: of a virgin a virgin forest
1: yes of virgin forest and if the lo- loggers had gone through they would have destroyed most of it like maybe five to ten thousand hectares they would have destroyed wow
0: that's an incredible outcome but but i guess it, it's a it's a never-ending battle isn't it i guess it's a constant challenge for these communities to be preserving themselves when it seems like so much is against them, so much vested financial interest against them.
1: Yes, and not, it is not only happening here in this one community, it is happening like with four or five other communities around the country. So uh, in New Island, which um, uh, it's happening there as well, and also in East New Britain and, and then down in the uh, mainland as well. So it is happening everywhere with those threats looming, and if we are not careful, if they if they do not take out this uh, hold hold these um, companies out, they're going to lose the forest. So uh, that's one of the challenges, uh, not only for Faucet, but for the communities as well. So we have to find a way to stop this. So. Uh, Maybe this case here uh, that I mentioned, maybe if it goes through, then they will use similar tactics with a court injunction or with a conservation deed uh, signed by the clan leaders and then they will use that. So they are actually testing uh, what we call a conservation deed, which is like an agreement that the clan members of all that land signed the document and said if there's any development taking place here, uh, we all will agree to uh, make the change but for now we would like to protect our land for the purposes for conservation work and so they sign this and then have the stem from the courthouse and a legal person signs agrees to it or witnesses it and then they and then they use the document as a legal document to protect their land
0: so i mean th- this is such important work and the sort of financial sustainability a force set here to be able to continue supporting these communities to continue building that trust and those relationships and equipping them not only with the services, uh, sort of the the core services they need, but also helping them with their advocacy to, to maintain the forests and their land. If you're enjoying this conversation and would like to hear other global perspectives on fundraising and leadership in the non-profit sector, then please do subscribe using the links in the show notes. If you want to find out more about our work, please do visit our website, fundraisingradicals.com. Now back for the conversation. Where is your funding coming from? And what are some of the opportunities and challenges you see with the, on the financial sustainability side?
1: Right now, most of our funding is coming from a major donor called Bread for the World. And Bread for the World is a German uh, non-government organization, and uh, it has been with us, or we have been with with Bread for the World for more than ten years. And we are lucky to have have uh, Bread for the World, uh, which has a uh, regional office in Port Moresby in, in PNG. So we, this is one of uh, donors, one of the donors that understands us very well, which means that they know how uh, we we operate and would like to fund not only the programs, but they fund the institution like the whole organization and what we do, uh, including all the other costs. So in that way, um, we're able to run, go a very long way. But this partnership we have with the bread, is, it's been going on for a while, but we've been having uh, issues with co-funding, like the additional top up in our budget, has we have to meet and then we have to find other sources. So. Brad has informed us that we have to find that additional, the co-donors from elsewhere to, to match their, their their funding, And that is an issue that we've been um, faced with for uh, the last four or five years or uh, longer. And um, that is why we need that training from fundraising radicals. And so uh, we have to find that co-donor because in the future, is going to cut back on its percentage because right now and in the um, past it was like funding more than 50% of our budget the institutional uh, side of it so we have to find that other 50% from elsewhere and if it cuts back it means that we they go down to 40 or 30 which means that we have to find the other component to fill that so it is a, a threat on this and also uh, we have to Uh, move forward in trying to raise that from now and onwards, because uh, although we have an agreement for the next three years, but it means that we have to find that other 50%. So from next year onwards, we have a 50% funding secured for our work, but it means that we have to find the other 50% from elsewhere uh, that we have to top up.
0: That's not an easy thing for a small organisation like Forset to do. I mean, you say that you're lucky to have bread for the world, but I feel like they're also very fortunate to have you—an organisation that is so, you know, has has grown from the communities and and that is so authentic and impactful in your work. I think they're lucky to have you. But it's and and they've been an incredibly loyal funder, uh, you know, for more than a decade. But it it does the challenge of match funding brings a certain level of pressure and and stress to small organizations what are your options what's your pipeline are you looking at other institutional donors are you looking locally uh, and how are you how are you aiming to raise this match funding
1: okay so we first of all myself and um, that is the challenge within the organization like i have been doing most of the fundraising work with uh, my colleague the technical advisor so i need a team i need a team to help me with the fundraising um, exercise so it's not only a one-person team, we have to have a team to uh, help go forward with this. And so I need this team to be able to, not only for for now, but into the future. So I could concentrate on other other things, the management of the organization and all the others. Uh, because most of the time now is trying to raise money, uh, raise funds for the institution, and then I do not do other, other things that I'm supposed to do. So first is that, and then... While concentrating on that, we have to look at other options. And so, uh, with the training that we've had, we were able to communicate. Like, look further than just the normal, uh, we wait and the donor comes sort of thing. We have to go out there and look. And with the training that we received, that is what we've just like for this. This year, we've uh, in the last two three months, we're going to the uh, private found uh, foundations, private funds, and foundation, and we have like. Uh, connected with two or three and then uh, we are in, in communication with them now and with the, with the Rolex Foundation and with uh, Hans Wildorf and, and they... we had a very interesting uh, communication uh, about a few weeks, uh, a week ago and then they are looking forward to uh, us communicating with them further on this and uh, so there are like two or three that uh, we're going to communicate further with them and that is very interesting because in the past we were looking at, like, you know, the normal proposal writing and wait and then, you know, they come and find us. Now we have to go out and find them because they are there and we, we were not aware that they were there. So that is the skill and the tool that we used from, from this training, to, that we have to go out instead of sitting and wait. So the, this is a, an important uh, skill that we've picked up from, from this training.
0: But it's a big shift, isn't it? In, in terms of sort of positioning and waiting for requests for proposals to, to going out and sort of and an actively seeking new types of donors as well, because you already have those technical skills. You already have that and those networks, those relationships to be able to have and your, that credibility and visibility as well that are so important to be able to have these conversations with organizations that are set up to give away funding, but maybe who don't know about you.
1: That is correct. So uh, when we go out, visibility part and all that, so we're, we're now more prepared than like before, uh, like have our that communication thing, the way we present and the, and the information that we uh, include in there. Although we, we, we are not there yet, uh, internally we're down on our communications officer who left us this year, so we have to find another person to do that. And then our fundraising officer also left, so we, we're uh, in recruitment and we, we shall have that person the two people on board, so they will help us with that. So when we go out, we have to have that information and that, uh, you know, how we can sell ourselves better and get that information that they require in the way they want it, and so we can be able to. So that was why I was saying that we needed a team uh, and uh, they will spend time on making preparations for those uh, tools that we can use to um, uh, communicate with the the potential donors. And so, yeah, so that is the, the way we're going forward.
0: It's, it's it's not easy recruitment is is hugely as i know recruitment has been hugely challenging for you but um it feels like you know you talk about a team but it's it's much closer than a than a team you know these <laughs> this this group of people who who work for forcer it's it's more of a family than a team and this let's just go to your ambition for what you're aiming to do for Forza, because this is not just about, this is about sustainability, but with the security challenges within Papua New Guinea as well, your your ambition is to bring all of this together into one place, right? So bring the team together uh, on site. Is, is that still your priority and, and do you see that happening?
1: Yes, um, we would like to bring all the staff together in, in one spot and that is still our ambition. So we would like to go forward with this. Uh, we started earlier this year to um, communicate uh, on the possibilities of having a facility where we could um, have everyone on one side, on one site, and be able to, um, easier and uh, with all the security issues and all that, where they could be, uh, you know, more secure and uh, feel secure enough to be able to perform the jobs, so uh, do their work much more easy, easily, so uh, that is still going on. However, I don't think it will be materialized this, this year. We have to look at uh, next year. Uh, but that is still in play. We are still going for that. And um, hopefully, with our communication, there, there has been communication uh, going well with with the uh, Mahone Nadaria chairperson, a place outside of Kimber where we were trying to. And it's going uh, well, but we have to give our proposal to him. Uh, and we're still waiting uh, on how we would like to um, communicate further with him and see what uh, the uh, the deal will come up to. So uh, that is still in progress, but we have not had any uh, results out of it as yet.
0: Okay, because you have a lot of sort of different challenges, but you also have a a sort of a, a very diverse set of income so you talk you know you're talking to institutional donors you're having conversations now with local corporates regional corporates uh, trusts and foundations who have a specific interest in in Papua New Guinea uh, in sustainable forestry but you also have a social enterprise arm as well and that is that hasn't you know it's not never a smooth journey but is that still a part of your funding and 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 where is the sort of sustainable that the social enterprise part of your work
1: Thank you. Um, the social enterprise arm um, has been picked up by the West New Britain Provincial Government. They actually funded 180,000 Kina, which is like forty thousand dollars, put towards um, funding two solar combination dryers for the cacao, the chocolate thing.
0: So, so drying, drying cacao. Yes. For the, com- the communities, drying cacao, so they can sell it to into local markets or international markets, or.
1: So they funded these uh, solar dryers. So the communities can sell uh, to international markets. So the solar dryer uh, will now be able to meet a high uh, quality, high standard, because previously there was smoke tainted because they normally smoked uh, beans. But now it will be solar dried, so they will give give a high quality uh, product, which they can be able to export overseas. So uh, the provincial government has picked that up. And so they've uh, supported us with two of the communities and they are looking forward to supporting more communities with uh, similar cacao uh, projects. Uh, and so we're, we're also um, communicating further with them with other work. So they would like to fund other uh, work as well, including uh, land use planning and uh, demarcation of the uh, land boundaries and also uh, that, because now the palm oil is expanding everywhere and they would like to uh, manage the uh, use of the forest uh, and so the people are concerned, and so the government is concerned as well. So that's why the provincial government is coming on board. Uh, on the other side, the work is going really well. After that uh, installation, Dave, these two facilities have been installed, and they are ready to go. They are now right. producing uh, the solar uh, dried cacao, and they for last six months they've sold like three tons of uh, the cacao from this, uh, so that is really a good story. So uh, they are working on it right now to have more beans into these solar dryers to be able to uh, market. But at the moment it's only marketing nationally like locally, and uh, afterwards when we have um, uh, established the links then they can be able to market overseas.
0: And this is, this is just another sort of side, a facet of the partnerships you have with your communities and and how uh, sort of Fawcett uh, is part of this, this community as well. And it's, it's such a, an inspiring and, and fascinating story. And the impact of your work is, is really incredible. Thank you so much, Cosmos, for talking to me today for this conversation, for all of your work. It's massively appreciated. Now I'm going to let you go uh, to your <laughs> to your funder meeting, <laughs> which is happening in, uh, very soon. Uh, massively appreciate you taking the time out and talking a little bit about fundraising and leadership in in PNG. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me, and uh, all the best with your work. And uh, we hope to see you again sometime in PNG and all the, our, our other friends. Thank you very much.
0: It's always wonderful catching up with Cosmos. Forset is an amazing organisation working at the sharp end of biodiversity loss prevention, and has developed an effective model for community engagement, ownership, and empowerment. This is a tiny nonprofit facing up to global companies and national government. It's incredible, brave, and deeply inspiring. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Fundraising Radicals podcast or find out more about the Fundraising Radicals and our work, please do visit our website at fundraisingradicals.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.